to the Lady Preacher Podcast, a podcast for the progressive Christian, where we talk about an all-loving God, an embodied Christ, and an ever-moving spirit. Dive right in as we wrestle with what it means to live out our faith in the world. Hello, everyone. Today, we're going to hear the story of Hagar and Ishmael. And this is from the book of Genesis, the first book of the Bible. And it's chapter 21, verses 8 through 21. The child grew and was weaned, and Abraham made a great feast on the day that Isaac was weaned. But Sarah saw the son of Hagar, the Egyptian, whom she had borne to Abraham, playing with her son Isaac. So she said to Abraham, cast out this slave woman with her son, for the son of this slave woman shall not inherit along with my son Isaac. The matter was very distressing to Abraham on account of his son. But God said to Abraham, do not be distressed because of the boy and because of your slave woman. Whatever Sarah says to you, do as she tells you, for it is through Isaac that offspring shall be named for you. As for the son of the slave woman, I will make a nation of him also because he is your offspring. So Abraham rose early in the morning and took bread and a skin of water and gave it to Hagar, putting it on her shoulder along with the child and sent her away. And she departed and wandered about in the wilderness of Beersheba. When the water in the skin was gone, Hagar cast the child under one of the bushes. Then she went and sat down opposite him a good way off, about the distance of a bowshot. For she said, do not let me look on the death of the child. As she sat opposite him, Hagar lifted up her voice and wept. God heard the voice of the boy and the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven and said to her, What troubles you, Hagar? Do not be afraid, for God has heard the voice of the boy where he is. Come, lift up the boy and hold him fast with your hand, for I will make a great nation of him. Then God opened her eyes and Hagar saw a well of water. She went and filled the skin with water and gave the boy a drink. God was with the boy and he grew up. He lived in the wilderness and became an expert with the bow. He lived in the wilderness of Paran and his mother got a wife for him from the land of Egypt. There ends our reading. I invite you to pray with me. Gracious and holy God, may we hear this story of Hagar and her son Ishmael in a new way. May it give us hope and remind us, God, that you are always with us. That even when we feel abandoned and cast out, you find us in the farthest corners of the earth and remind us that we are not alone. Open our hearts, O God, and our minds, and fill our well today. In your name we pray, O God. Amen. This story of Hagar is a small one in the grand scheme of things in the Hebrew Bible. She only appears twice. And if you don't know the story of Hagar, she is the slave woman of Abraham and Sarah. 
and Abraham and Sarah are considered basically the great grandparents of the Jewish tradition or the father of the Jewish tradition for Abraham. And he is the one who is promised to birth a great nation that his descendants will be more than the stars in the sky. And so Hagar is likely Sarah's handmaid and travels with them and goes with them where they go. And Sarah, even though Abraham has been promised many, many descendants, has trouble getting pregnant. And that's where Hagar comes in. As an Egyptian slave in a foreign land, she is forced to be a surrogate for this couple that owns her. And it's pretty safe to assume that Hagar has likely been told her whole life, her whole existence through both words and actions that she is unworthy, unlovable, that she does not belong, that this God who has promised faithfulness and love and care and many, many descendants to Abraham and Sarah is not her God. And so when I think of Hagar, I assume that she has probably internalized this belief that her cries fall on deaf ears, that no one cares about her worries or her sorrows, and that she has just been deemed unworthy, unlovable, unseen, and unheard. When I think of Hagar, I think about how forgotten she must have felt. I wonder what she thought when she heard Abraham and Sarah talk about their God, how their God had promised them abundance, the promised land, and as many descendants as there are stars in the sky. This God that is faithful, slow to anger and abounding in love, this God who answers prayers and is with them always. Where is this God for Hagar? What about her? She's not one of the chosen ones, according to them. She has been forgotten, not only by people, but by God. She is unseen and unheard, not just by people, but also by God. It reminds me of those moments in my life when I have felt forgotten or unheard or unseen, when I have felt unworthy or unloved. Those moments when I feel like God has abandoned me. I'm sure you've had those too. You know, I will never know the experience of a slave in a foreign land like Hagar, who is forced to be a surrogate for a couple that owns her. But like you, there have been moments in my life where I have wondered if God has forgotten about me. In the midst of all of Hagar's sorrow and grief, however, something happens. When Hagar becomes pregnant with Abraham's child, she flees. She flees out into the wilderness because Sarah becomes unkind to her. We can have some compassion for Sarah because Sarah has not been able to get pregnant and there's a lot of pain and a lot of shame that goes with that. But Hagar flees and she goes out into the wilderness and she falls to the ground in a pile of grief near a well. But then an angel of God appears to Hagar. This God who Hagar may not have felt was with her ever now appears to her and promises that Hagar's offspring, that all of her descendants will be so great they cannot even be counted. Imagine the magnitude of this. So far in all of scripture, all of God's promises have largely been made to men, especially promises of a multitude of descendants. And yet here is Hagar, an Egyptian slave carrying her owner's child, and she is promised 
that her line, that her descendants will someday be a great nation. It affects Hagar so deeply. She says to God, you are El Roy. She names God. She is the only person in scripture who does this. She says, you are El Roy. You are the God who sees me. She names the well where she is standing there, Be'er El Roy, which means the well of the living one who sees me. For the first time, Hagar is seen and she is heard and she is promised that her suffering is not forever and that she will be redeemed. God sees Hagar's suffering and promises redemption, promises that good things will come. God says, I will make a nation through you. And so Hagar returns to Sarah and Abraham. But then after Hagar has her baby Ishmael, whose name means God hears, Sarah eventually has a child of her own named Isaac. And soon there is more conflict. In order for Isaac to be the sole heir, Hagar and her son Ishmael are banished. Abraham sends them out to the desert with just a skin full of water. And this is the story we heard today. And as they are wandering in the desert, the water eventually runs out. And Hagar places her young son in the shade and moves far away from him because, as the text says, she could not bear to watch her son die. She sits down and sobs. Where is God now? What about this promise of so many descendants that they couldn't even be counted? They are so many. Has this God abandoned her again? Hagar cries out from her soul and it says in the text that she lifted up her voice and wept. But again, God hears her cries. An angel of the Lord says, Hagar, do not be afraid. And again, promises to make a great nation of her son. And then God opened her eyes and she saw a well of water. Hagar gets up and fills her skin with water and gives her son a drink. Twice, God has redeemed Hagar and her son Ishmael and continues to redeem them. Ishmael becomes the father of the Ishmaelites and ultimately is considered the father of Islam. God never abandoned Hagar and Ishmael. It even says that God continued to be with Ishmael as he grew up. And it's important when we read this story of Hagar and Ishmael to ask, why does the Bible include it? Why include the story of Hagar and her son? Why is it important? For one, it does not shine a very great light on Abraham and Sarah. And so why include it? And I think it's included because it's an important story about who God is and who we are in relation to God. Jewish tradition states that Abraham and Sarah are part of the chosen people. But this story is a reminder to those who are the chosen people that... This doesn't mean that God thinks any less of anyone else. This story is a reminder that God's promises can also be fulfilled through a slave woman named Hagar and her son Ishmael, who were banished into the desert. God hears their cries too. God answers when they call out and cares for them. God's redemption is as available to their line and lineage as it is to Isaac's. They are just as much children of God as anyone else.
though the world around them may exclude them, God includes them. The story of Hagar and her son speak of the true, unconditional, amazing love of God, which can reach us in the most isolated of places, in the depths of our sorrows, in the dark night of our soul, in the most barren of deserts. God can reach us wherever we are. Hagar's voice and her story tell us that even when the world forgets us, even when the world deems us unworthy or unlovable, even when the world does not see or hear us, God does. God sees. God sees you and hears you. And God understands. God has deemed you lovable and worthy from the very beginning. There's a really beautiful hymn called, There's a Wideness in God's Mercy. And one of the verses says, there is no place where earth's sorrows are more felt than up in heaven. This is our reminder that God feels with us. God feels our sorrows and our fears. God weeps and God cries with us. You know, the shortest line in all of scripture is Jesus wept. Our God feels with us. And then God promises redemption. We hear this promise in Hagar's story. Hagar is seen and she is heard. And this God comes when she calls. This God makes a way when there seems to be no way. It reminds me of when Jesus says, I am the way. When there seems to be no way, God is the way. And for Hagar, when it felt like there was no way forward, when she set her son in the shade and walked away because she couldn't bear to watch him die alone there in the desert, God appeared to her. God opened her eyes and she saw a well. And I want to be clear here. It doesn't say in the text that God put the well there. All God did was open Hagar's eyes. How many times has this happened in your life when you felt like there was no way forward, like all hope was lost, and then something happens? Your eyes or the eyes of your heart open to something new, a new idea, a new possibility, a new hope. Something illumines just the next right step. It gives you just a little bit of courage and hope. This intervention from God isn't necessarily the opportunity itself. When God opened Hagar's eyes, it's not that God put the well there, but God opens Hagar's eyes to be able to see what is in front of her. And God does the same for us. God opens our eyes to help us see clearly what is already in front of us. I often hear the phrase, it's all part of God's plan. And this particular story about Hagar and Ishmael is fairly clear. God's plan was a promise to Sarah that she would bear a child and that Abraham would be the father of a great many descendants. But they had a hard time trusting that plan. As many of us have a hard time trusting in the promises of God. And so Sarah and Abraham came up with a plan for Hagar to become pregnant by Abraham. That was their plan, not God's. And a great deal of suffering occurred for Hagar as a result of that plan. And yet, God still made a way. 
God came to Hagar in her suffering and despair and made a way forward. Out of what felt like a curse, God made way for a blessing. I have seen this time and time again in my life, and I could preach this until I run out of breath. The suffering is not the blessing. What feels like a curse is not the blessing. The blessing is what God does with that suffering. That is the redemption. That is the resurrection. That is what God promises us time and time again. We know that life comes with hardships and things that will hurt us and harm us. But God promises that a way will be made. That our eyes will be opened. That new life will come. That our suffering will be redeemed. Out of the graves of our lives, God raises up new life. We can trust that God will not abandon us. We can trust that when we are cast out or when we feel cast out by the world, God can find us and will find us. That God hears our cries. That God knows our sorrows and the deepest corners of our hearts. This story of Hagar and her son are a reminder that the promises of God are not just for a select few, but for all people. God's promises were not just for Abraham and Sarah and their son Isaac, but for Hagar and Ishmael too. God's love and grace are not limited as much as we try to make them limited. They are available to all, to you and to me, to you when you feel unworthy or unloved, they are available to you. Recently, I was talking with someone who believed that only people who believe in Jesus are children of God. And I responded that my belief is that all people, whether they believe or not, are children of God, fully and completely loved by God. It is not my place to put a limit or a condition on who God loves, on who God's love and grace can touch or not touch. I cannot limit that. God's mercy and love is bigger and wider and broader than we could ever imagine. It goes deeper than the deepest parts of the sea. It reaches the corners of the world and stretches further than the widest oceans. We cannot even begin to comprehend this. Like that beautiful hymn that I mentioned earlier says, there is a wideness in God's mercy and it is wider than the sea for the love of God is broader than the measures of the mind. My friends, we can try to build up levees and dams to contain God, but God doesn't give a damn. No matter how much we try to limit or safeguard it, God's mercy and love overflow. The Sarahs and the Abrahams, the Isaacs, the Hagars and the Ishmaels, God's grace and mercy touches all and is available to all. And so on the days when you feel like God or the world have abandoned you or forgotten you, on the days when you wonder where God is, and if you have a share in the promises of God, in the promise of redemption, trust 
and know that God will come. God will come and open the eyes of your heart and point you towards a well. You will be redeemed. You are worthy of love. You are worthy of grace. You are worthy of forgiveness. You are worthy of mercy and goodness. My friend, you have not been forgotten. God knows the number of hairs on your head and the lines on your hands. God knows your heart. No matter how much you think you or anyone else may not be deserving of God's love and grace. It is there just for you, for all freely given. All you have to do is receive. Amen. My friend, thank you so much for joining us today. I am so grateful for you. Without you, this ministry would not be possible. So thank you from the bottom of my heart. The Lady Preacher podcast is part of a nonprofit called Dancing Pastor Ministries. And you can find us online at dancingpastor.org or join the community by finding us on Facebook at Dancing Pastor Ministries. If you would like to be a part of supporting this podcast, there are many ways you can do that without giving monetarily. You can share our posts on social media, send an episode to a friend, or just leave a review. If you would like to support us financially, you can do so at dancingpastor.org slash give. My friend, you are a gift. Thank you for being here and God bless.